Colossians 3:12-14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, your, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive others, other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Romans twelve seventeen through 19 Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will repay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Then the other servants saw what had happened. They were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You work it, servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In his anger, master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the third sermon that I felt I needed to preach having meditated while away on vacation. 
All three of these sermons have been basic to life in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a collection of all kinds of people from every background, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic level, every educational background. And given the diversity of the body of Christ, it isn't surprising that we don't all see eye to eye all the time. I have believed for many years that the work that we do to get along with one another is a primary way that God knocks the rough edges off of us. God uses all those situations where we are disgruntled, where we're having trouble getting along. He uses all those rough times to shape us and mold us and hopefully to make us more compassionate, more patient, more understanding, and more gracious. Of course, there's a risk to this methodology. Some folks, when they don't get their own way, simply leave the fellowship. Some folks, when they are offended by someone else's actions, they simply leave the fellowship. Some folks, when they get their feelings hurt, simply leave the fellowship. Some folks, when they feel that they have been intentionally or even unintentionally wounded, simply leave the fellowship. If you run away from the fellowship at the first sign of trouble, you never get the experience of having to work through anything, of having to work things out. You never get the rough edges knocked off and you just become prickly and someone with lots of rough edges. Let's face it, every church has a full mix of personalities. There are folks who are abrasive, there are folks who are somewhat arrogant, there are folks who always want to be the center of attention, there are folks who are high maintenance. Regardless, we are charged, you heard the scriptures, of as much as it lies within us to live at peace with everyone. At least that's what Romans 12 just said. The task of working to preserve the unity of the Spirit is a primary responsibility for each of us. But preserving the unity of the body of Christ is only possible if we are willing and able to forgive one another when mistakes are made or when differences become obvious. I think there's two ways to go about a sermon on forgiveness. The first way is simply enough. I could just point out to you the command of Scripture, which you've heard, and say, well, what do you think God says about forgiveness? I mean, we used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Well, to my way of thinking, Matthew 18, 35 couldn't be any clearer. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, right? So, like, there aren't options there. There's no escape clauses, no caveats. The Word of God says that. Colossians 3.13 couldn't be more clear. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against anyone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a high bar to clear, but that's plainly what the Scripture says. But apparently these days... Just finding a command for Christians in Scripture isn't enough any longer. But in spite of that, in spite of these days in which we live, there are other 
many good reasons for forgiving. Now, now I don't want to simplify anything this morning. It's possible for a person to know that they should forgive someone, but to not know how to do it. That's possible. That is, that is one possible reason why a Christian might continue to carry a grudge. Essentially, they don't know how to lay it down. And our enemy wants us to keep carrying grudges because anytime you're carrying a grudge, you don't have a free hand to carry any cross, right? You can't do the work of God and carry grudges at the same time. You can't be a bearer of the kingdom if you're a bearer of grudges. There's a second possible reason that Christians might continue to carry a grudge. They might not really know that they're carrying it. Recently, Nancy and I were hiking in national parks in Utah, and at one point we got on a shuttle bus to go from one part of a park to another part of the park. We found seats, and I sat down and had a rude awakening. You see, in the morning, early that morning, I had put a very light backpack on. Didn't have much in it. A bottle of water, some stack snacks, my big floppy hat to keep from getting sunburned, and my walking stick, which would fold up into a little piece, and it was all back there. But I completely forgot it was back there. I've been carrying it all day. They didn't notice. And so when I sat down and leaned back in the chair, I was rudely reminded by the crushing of snacks and a poke in the back by my walking stick that there was something back there that I had forgotten. And from time to time, I think we start to deal with the weight in such a way we, we, we alter our way of walking or our way of living. We work around difficult people so that we no longer have to interact with the offending person and we just forget that we're carrying this thing that we have strapped to us. But then all of a sudden, something happens and it triggers the memory of the incident and you're forced to remember that there's unfinished business there. This thing happened to me a few years ago myself. I started to tell the story about the camp, Windsor Hills, that I used to work for. And I was telling the story how um, the town and the town's lawyer had lied to me and cheated me out of thousands of dollars. And as I was telling the story, I noticed that I was getting angrier and angrier while I retold the story again. When I began to repeat how those unscrupulous individuals had taken advantage of me, my blood pressure was rising, and that was a sign to me that there's still work for me to do on that individual in that situation. There was, for, there was unforgiveness in me that I had forgotten about. Time had passed, but there was still some unresolved stuff there. So I think it's possible to not know how to forgive, and I think it's possible to forget you're carrying a grudge until something triggers your memory. The, um, the third reason just might be that, the third reason that you might not stop carrying grudges that you just don't really want to forgive the person who injured you. It's one thing to not know how to forgive. It's one thing to not remember you're carrying a grudge. But at some point, you have to make a decision, right? 
There has to be a point in your time when you say, I am going to forgive. And until we want to do that, it's not happening. Let me just say this plainly. We have to remember that we call Jesus Lord. And when we call Jesus Lord, it is our responsibility to do what he asks us to do. For unforgiveness can kill us. It can make us ill. And it can make us miserable. This is what Hebrews 12 and 14 and 15 says. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Unforgiveness, when left in the inner recesses of the heart, can easily grow into a bitter root that can warp our lives and spoil and infect the whole fellowship. For our own health and stability, we need to practice forgiveness, even if it's just to stay healthy. People who refuse to forgive others become debt collectors, chained to the wrongs that were committed against them in the past. They keep score of the injustices they've endured. Debt collectors also figuratively put the offenders into relational jail cells until the debt is repaid. The problem is this. When you put someone in jail, you have to tend and maintain the jail. That means you're stuck there on the outside of the jail cell door, making sure the person who injured you doesn't escape without just punishment. We are either going to end up tending jail cells, making us of little use to the kingdom of God, or we're going to process forgiveness and let go of the grudges that are poisoning us. Maybe to use a different metaphor, one author, Rudy Tomjanovich said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Let me add one more note before I continue. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul reminds the Corinthian church that if we don't forgive each other, it is possible for Satan to get a foothold in our lives. And we don't want to be outwitted by the enemy. We don't want to be made useless in the kingdom of God. We don't want to be sidetracked by Satan. We need clean hearts before the Father, and grudge carrying, willful or not, is something we simply must address with his help. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not, okay? Forgiveness is not saying what was done to me doesn't matter. It matters, it was wrong, it should not have happened. Forgiveness is not saying what was done to me doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened to me wasn't really all that bad. The degree of awfulness is irrelevant to the level of pain caused and the need to forgive. Forgiveness is not saying that other people had it worse than I did so by, compa by comparison it wasn't that much. 
Nothing about forgiveness reduces the significance of the harm or the responsibility of others who caused that harm. Forgiveness is not deciding to let other people get away with what they did to you. The perpetrators are still responsible for, before God and before society for their actions. Hear this though, the command to forgive is for your benefit, not for the benefit of the perpetrator. The command to forgive is for you, not for the person who injured you. We forgive because Christ commands it, and he commands it because he loves us, he loves you, he loves me, and it is necessary for our health. We must forgive. The only possible way to be free of the pain of emotional injuries is to forgive those who injured you. That action sets you free from the work of trying to collect the debt or manipulating others to get the apology that you believe you deserve. Here's a first step forward. When I have decided that I need to forgive a person, it is time for me to hand the person and the offense over to God. God, yours. Not mine anymore, it's yours. You might use the picture of burying the hatchet. Too many folks today bury the hatchet but leave the handle sticking out of the ground so they can return to it in case they have a future need and grab it and use it again as a weapon. We gotta bury the whole hatchet in the ground. We gotta hand it off to God completely. Burying the hatchet means choosing not to bring up the incident or event ever again. You can't forgive and keep telling the story. You must stop reaching for the handle. When the scripture tells us to forgive as the Lord forgave us, we remember how the Lord forgave us, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you. Cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness, our sins were. That's the way we've been forgiven. That's the way we're invited to forgive. I know, you'll hear folks say to you, well, you just have to forgive and forget. Well, forgive, yes, but forget, forget, that's not something we can do. You don't have control over what you remember. But we can begin to ask the Father to remove the power of that incident from us and over us. And so we pray, Lord, remove this from me. I've handed to you, help me to forget. You may or may not. I think it's a, a special strategy of the enemy to help us, to, that he helps us remember and bring things back we don't want to remember. And so we have to also add to that resisting our enemy and saying, Satan, every time you bring that up, I'm gonna remind you I've forgiven that. I forg no, you can't, you can't bring that up to me, I've forgiven that. And I push that back away. We are not going to live in those memories any longer. We're not going to allow those stories to swirl in our minds. But, but what about the debt we are owed? Isn't it fair? It's not really fair to let so-and-so off the hook. But you heard Romans 12, right? You heard the author tell us to leave room for God's vengeance, that 
Revenge belongs to the Lord, not to us. When we hand an injustice off to, the God, off to God, what we're saying is, Lord, you're gonna deal with this and you collect the debt for me. I'm gonna leave it in your hands. We know Jesus does all things well. We can trust him to collect the debt and we don't have to anymore. He can be the jail cell keeper. We're not gonna do that. He also happens to know exactly what happened and every side of the issue, what the truth is, because we only know in part at times, but he knows completely and does all things well. So you begin by making the choice to forgive. You mentally turn the offender over to God, asking him to collect the debt and freeing you from needing to worry about it any longer. And then you continue to pray. You pray for yourself, asking God to help you leave the hatchet completely buried. You pray for release from the pain of the offense. Then you begin to pray for yourself that you can be free from all of the implications of the offense. And then the hardest prayer you arrive at is you pray for the offender. I mean, we're told to love our enemies in scripture and this often seems impossible. But if you will pray that God will reach out to your enemy or your offender, you will be acting in a loving way which fills, fulfills God's command to love your enemy. Pray that God will allow the offender to feel and find forgiveness. Pray that God would bless the offender by helping him find his way back to God, to find a place of repentance, to find a place of restoration. Pray for God's blessing in the life of the offender. Once you start praying for the offender, things are likely to change for you. Now, I'm not saying that when you begin to pray for the offender, that you will immediately begin to trust the person or the situation that injured you. It may be that you're never able to trust that person again. Because trust isn't a light switch you can mentally turn on and off. Trust is only built by a person acting in consistent and faithful ways to you across a long period of time. Trust is earned. Once trust has been broken, it has to be earned in order to get trust again. So you can't emotionally make yourself trust another person. That, that means you don't have to place yourself in a place where you can be injured again. You don't have to allow repeat offenders to continue to abuse us. You don't, we don't put our children in hazardous situations because we have forgiven someone. We still do our due, di due diligence. We still are careful, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But there will be times, given the number of offenses we're likely to endure over our lifetime, there will be times when the Holy Spirit prompts us to talk to the person or pursue reconciliation. And when he does that, the possibilities are endless. Not every act of forgiveness will end in reconciliation. Trust doesn't automatically follow forgiveness. Trust must be rebuilt. Trust can take a long time to be, be rebuilt. But we can rely on the Holy Spirit 
to give us wisdom about reconciliation after we have taken the first steps to embrace forgiveness. I'm suspecting that after 15 minutes of talking about forgiveness, that if there are areas of unforgiveness in your life, the Holy Spirit has already been talking to you about it. It may be he's already populated relationships in your mind. He's already um, given you some ideas about what you need to do. Don't, Don't let those thoughts go. Write them down, consider them, begin to work on them right away. Because it's really important that we deal with issues of forgiveness. You say, but how will I know for sure that this is what I need to do? Well, think about the way you live. Think about the people that you encounter that you intentionally avoid, right? You, you know what it is. They're, you see someone coming down the street, you don't really wanna see them, you go to the other side of the street to pass them by, or they're coming down the aisle at the church, you go down the other aisle, because um, you don't really wanna have to engage those people. Those are the names that the Holy Spirit's writing on your mind right now the people that you take pains to avoid, the people you don't really wanna hang out with, the people you don't wanna see. And and somehow, we have gotta find our way to forgiveness. Somehow, we've got to get to the place where we get that off our shoulders and onto the fathers so that we can actually find the healing that we need for our own lives. If this is work that you need to do, then I have some ways that I think you should respond. Maybe I wanna say one other thing first. Whenever I travel to preach in other churches, if I'm gonna preach more than one time, I always preach a sermon about forgiveness because it really is my conviction that on any given Sunday and any given audience, at least 50% of the people who are present have some type of forgiveness work they need to do because we run into craziness all the time. And some of us at times are the cause of the craziness. And sometimes we don't even know that we are the cause of injury to someone else. Something we should have figured out or something we should have done and didn't do or, or it is so easy for sensitive us to get our feelings hurt. And I know the enemy The enemy wants to use every single instance where you feel either snubbed or ignored or stepped on or whatever, every single instance, he wants to use that to distract you from the work of bearing his kingdom. And so I know the enemy's at work, and I know that we're hypersensitive most of the time, and so I'm confident there's tons of folks who continually need to do the work of forgiveness. And if you don't need to do the work of forgiveness today, you're gonna need to do the forgiveness work in six months time when something else happens that's still on the horizon. And so we have to have a robust understanding of how important it is for the children of God to be marked by forgiveness. It's just that important. Too many of us linger in shadows when we could be in the light doing the work of the kingdom because we put ourselves into a place where we are jail cell minders, debt collectors, carrying grudges, not bearers of the kingdom. So there are a couple of different ways I'd encourage you to respond today. In a moment, we're gonna sing this song, Here's My Heart, Lord. 
And I would invite you to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, if there is unfinished unforgiveness in me, point it out. Help me cast this care on you. If you want to pray and deal with it right now and start that process, you're welcome to come to the altar while we sing this song. This is an excellent place of prayer. No one's going to approach you. No one's going to come to you and ask what you're praying about. It will be private between you and God if you come to the altar and pray this morning. It may be that your situation is so complicated that you don't even know what the first step should be. And you need to find someone to talk to about it. I'd invite you to call the church office, catch me after church. I'm gonna do the odd thing of putting a chair over in that corner at the end of the service. And if you wanna come over and chat, I'm gonna be there for a while. If you wanna come over there and make an appointment, I'll be there for a while. And we can talk and figure out how to move forward uh, according to the Spirit's guidance in your house, in your, in your situation. It may be that the person who offended you is dead and you can't think of how you ever get free of those kinds of misdeeds. Well, there's ways forward even if you feel helpless in this process. And I hope you'll call me sometime this week to set up an appointment to talk about. It may be that you'll need to talk about it more than one time to figure out how to forgive things that have happened to you. But here's what's most important. When you discover, when the Holy Spirit reveals to you that there's unforgiveness in you, don't delay in dealing with it. Don't delay. Every day you carry a grudge or refuse to forgive is another day of injury to yourself. It's another day of living beneath the privileges of the children of God. It's another day of not experiencing the full joy that Christ has for his children. Christ wants to set you free from the pain of your past. Remember, the outcome of your life is not determined by what happens to you. The outcome is is determined by by what you do in response to what has happened. And cling to this verse, Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened by a yoke of slavery again. Unforgiveness makes us slaves to the deeds of others, but we are not slaves. The children of God are free in Christ. Freedom is for you. Pray with me while the instruments come. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You know the truth of us. You know the burdens we carry and sometimes the grudges we may carry. I pray that by your spirit you would come and bring freedom to your people today. That we would begin taking the steps of forgiveness. That we will align ourselves with your will. That we will do all that we can to embrace the freedom you have in mind for us. Help us, Lord, to know the right way forward. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we sing this song. 
hears my heart, Lord, speak what is true. And if you'd like to kneel at the altar, you're welcome to do that this morning. Spirit, speak into your hearts what is true. And may we live together in the freedom that Christ has for us. That the joy of the Lord will be ours as we bear the kingdom together. Amen.